sauerkraut, rosemary, balsamic vinaigrette. Whenever I mention these ingredients, I can imagine the first thing that pops into your head is not ice cream. However, a local small business owner by the name of Adam Brackbill is taking a large scoop out of the ice cream market with his unique flavors. Hello, HYP podcast listeners. This is Derek Weitzel, Executive Director of the Harrisburg Young Professionals. Thank you for listening to our event series, How It's Built in the Berg, stories from Harrisburg area entrepreneurs and the companies that they have built here. For our second event of 2019, we got to hear from one of our favorite places to grab a dish or a cone, the Urban Churn. Larry Binda, co-founder and editor-in-chief of the Berg Magazine, takes the interview from here. My favorite things to do because um, I'm a big fan of small business, having started a couple myself, including the Berg, and um, know all these wonderful entrepreneurs in Harrisburg who have taken huge risks to bring us better things. And uh, Adam Brackbill certainly is one of those, uh, one of, in my opinion, one of the premier craft food vendors in Harrisburg who've really elevated our game here over the last you know, five or six years. Um, and a lot of people I've interviewed for this series have been people just like that, these small business people who've decided that um, we can do better and that uh, we can have better products and services. Um, and a lot of it is very local, which I also like quite a lot. So uh, with that little introduction, um, I'm going to start asking Adam some questions. Um, so actually, Adam... Uh, I guess I met you, I don't know, like six or seven years or so ago. It's a long time. <laughs> and uh, I, we, I guess I was introduced to you because you were doing web design at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we, get, we, before we get to that and your, your uh, history uh, with um, various businesses, tell us a little bit about your background. Where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And how did you make it to Harrisburg? Yeah, so... Uh, all my life, uh, I was over in Mechanicsburg. So, born, grew up here in Central PA. Uh, all of my family are from Juniata County, so the uh, farmers and you know small town folk. So, um, back then, uh, you know all my family members, my mom's cottage, they would just churn ice cream. So uh, that's kind of like the background of the churning part. But um, I went to Messiah College, so uh, alum there. If anyone else is as well. Um, I, I, during my years at Messiah, I started doing web development. Uh, it was more graphic design, and then, you know, you started teaching yourself web development, and it became WordPress. Uh, my whole life, I've, I've enjoyed business and the entrepreneurial aspect of things, so, um, like, when I was little, classic lemonade stands, that was the, my highlight of my summers, was doing lemonade. And my uh, brother-in-law was, like, the catalyst. He was just the kind of guy that just was pushing me to do that kind of stuff, which he's a, an entrepreneur. He's a business guy as well. So I grew up with that um, with that motivation. Um, he was my huge motivator in that aspect. Um, so during my years Messiah, like I said, I started doing web development, uh, WordPress. Uh, I, it just kind of grew from there. I uh, had a lot of clients from out of state, uh, Colorado, California, um, some magazine companies, stuff like that. Uh, right after Messiah, uh, my cousin Bruce was uh, living in Harrisburg. He was working here for a while and introduced me to Harrisburg. So he was the guy who kind of showed me around. Um, I, I started to really enjoy the city. I decided to get a private office uh, as soon as I graduated uh, into um, into Harrisburg. And um, so that's when, yeah, I, I just kind of started to get to know people in the city. Uh, Little Amps was the, like, kind of the cornerstone of kind of meeting the people that, that worked and lived in the city back then. It's like, what? So it was about seven, seven years yeah, ago, eight years that, ago. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so after getting to know a lot of people in the city, and relationships grew and more connections grew and uh, started getting a lot more clients for the web, web development side. 
um, from uh, politicians to uh, in PenLive and a bunch of other uh, area companies and clients in around the area. Um, so I was growing that company and met Adam, as he mentioned, and we just, he came up with the idea for a co-working space. I never heard of co-working before at the time, so um, I'm, I'm more of a why not kind of a guy, so I just kind of go with the flow, and, and whenever opportunities arise, I, I try to take those opportunities and, and you know make something of it. So I, I joined up with Adam. Um, we had a first building was down right in front of the Midtown Hack Campus, uh, and that was great. It was, it was good to start, and uh, obviously now we're here, so that's a whole different <laughs> different story on how that can be. But um, while that was all going on, uh, I noticed a lot of folks uh, in the city, like it was five years ago, um, a lot of folks were grumbling about how there weren't any, there weren't many ice cream places around. Um, so of course, you know, a traditional a good recipe for a biz, starting a business is bringing your family history and finding the demand and putting them together um, and then supplying that demand. So that was like the, the, the start of doing urban churn. Bought some old small churns, burnt those motors up, was doing a bunch of tastings in the area and um, just kind of went from there. So. Okay, so you've like answered questions one through seven. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so we're done. Just eat some ice cream and leave. Um, no, so, uh, you know, I, I will... I love these uh, serial entrepreneurs, and you certainly are one of them. So to my knowledge, at least, you've started three businesses and three very different businesses and uh, succeeded at, at all, all of them and are now producing this you know, fan fantastic ice cream. Um, so let's go back a little bit and just and talk about that aspect. So you mentioned a little bit of how you began to get interested in the ice cream business industry. So you said that it had its genesis for when, when you were young at family gatherings mm -hmm. and you churned ice cream at uh, your family gatherings in Juniata County. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just a lot of memories, you know, being in my great-grandmother's cottage um, of Juniata County. My great-uncles, they would get the uh, dairy together because my uncle was a, a dairy farmer. Um, so he had a lot of cattle and, and cows and, and different um, livestock, and so he would bring fr fresh milk over, and uh, we would make. If anyone familiar with grape nut ice cream, heard of grape nut? It's a very Pennsylvania. Yul Gibbons. I oh, what's that? Yul Gibbons. Yul Gibbons. He used to do the commercials for grape nuts. Oh, he was yeah. like this environmentalist <laughs> from the sixties and seventies, and. Yeah. Okay. Nobody here knows. That. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did these great nut commercials for like twenty years. I'll look him up. Yeah. Too. <laughs> mm -hmm. You'll get this. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, so grape nut is very Pennsylvania Dutch. Like, uh, I mean, my family are all uh, not rednecks, but like they're very farmer hunters and uh, Pennsylvania Dutch flavor uh, grape nut. If you ever get a chance, we'll be turning it once in a while. Um, along with tea berry. You guys have heard of tea berry, right? Okay, good. Um, so they would always make grape nut ice cream. That was like the staple. Um, and, you, you know, you just put your childhood together and, and you want to recreate that and it just kind of takes off from there. Um, so that's what I kind of got interested with the ice cream is, is I love tradition. Um, no matter the culture, no matter where you're from, uh, for me, I mean, plain old boring Pennsylvania Dutch, but I still enjoyed my childhood and the tradition with my family. So taking that and making a business out of it is cool. And so you just sort of looked around Harrisburg and said, Harrisburg needs X, and one of the X's was co-working space. I guess and one of the X's was good ice cream. Because as you're right, you're right. There isn't any, and not only is there, there not any sort of in, in the city, but even the, I guess, Decent ice cream, mostly that you have to get in the suburbs, is not even really, you know, local or homemade for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not craft ice cream, you know, it's not, it's well, big batch. It's when we first deal. started, uh, I think you st a lot of folks heard like farm to table. Um, that's been, that was like a movement that was kind of going uh, back then, was like very at the start of it, I feel like. And... It just, it, it was perfect timing because when you start making product that's 
craft, local ingredients, stuff like that, people actually started to pay attention to, oh, is this local? Like, I, or people wanted to support the local farms, local, you know, everything. So, um, you know, being in Harrisburg and, and at the right time and with people that want to per, per, um, support local businesses and produce, everything, I, I think that was like perfect, like I said, perfect timing. Well, your ice cream shows that it's craft and it's, it's small batch and, you know, everybody knows the guy who makes it, which is the wonderful thing about so many of these craft food businesses that popped up in Harrisburg recently. You know, you, you know the guy who's, who's making that, right? You, I mean, you know the person who's, you know, making your coffee or your pizza or, you know, putting out your community magazine. Um, you know, they're not strangers. They're not corporate. They're not, they don't live in, you know, God knows where. They're right here. Um, and, and it shows. So in your case, your, your ice cream is fantastic. What, what do you do? What makes it so special? What makes it so much better than if I'm going to go to 3Bs or someplace? Yeah, so uh, using local dairy obviously is one. Uh, we ship the dairy in every week. So every Mondays we get a new shipment and we just churn that out uh, right away. And so you can actually tell when dairy is when the ice cream's fresh. Um, I know it's, it's strange that you, people will go to the grocery store and you know, you're know you so used to buying the pint. Well, if it's been sitting for a while, you can tell if you, if you go to the manufacturer, grab that ice cream that was just made versus a pint that was made a month ago, you know, sitting on the shelves, you can definitely tell a difference. Um, and that's where we, I was set out to do something different where everything's made fresh. Um, and I don't use as much as many uh, preservatives in the ice cream. Um, so a lot of these ice cream manufacturers will put a lot of stuff that will not allow the ice cream to crystallize. Um, so typically if you let it sit in the freezer, uh, especially if you open and close it, uh, or just over, over time keeping it closed, it, some other brands, they don't crystallize as much. Ours actually will start to. So we have a shorter... Um, shorter quality span than, uh, you know, your big ice cream manufacturers. The other thing is um, just using real ingredients. That's, that's the huge part. Uh, using high quality real ingredients. I can't stress that enough. Um, some folks just can't tell a difference. I can. Uh, if you have put something side by side again, you would be able to tell the quality of the ingredients. It tastes much better. So, Okay, take us through the Genesis of the business. So okay, so you're you're Adam, and you decide I want to start making ice cream. So what did you do? What were like the first steps you took? Oh, um, a lot of research. Uh, as I said, I'm more of a why not kind of a guy. So I I never went to school to to learn the things that I do now. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was a marketing uh, major, so, but the thing, the education I had back then was just for marketing, like actual Fortune 500 kind of marketing, not social media, local stuff. So um, I just did a lot of research, taught myself how to do things, and that was the first step. Uh, and trial and error was also huge. Um, so I you got yourself a churn and you just started experimenting. Ex experimenting, yeah, okay. exactly. So... Um, then um, getting the Department of Agriculture involved. So a lot of folks kind of shy away. Or they, or they're afraid to talk to uh, the government for, for, like, how do I do this correctly? Or, you know, some I was thinking it was going to be a lot more difficult than it was. But Department of Ag, uh, they were super helpful. So once I found the person to talk to, like, he was actually just kind of step by step, like, okay, make sure you do this, this, and this and help me through it. And he'll make some, like, he can't really make recommendations, but he'll tell me, like, here's some options. Um, and it was just great. So Department of Agriculture, just talking to the people who regulate the things that you do. Um, and then just kind of kicking in the rest of the business sense. So I knew everything else. So uh, registering the business, so forth. Right. So then your first place that you set up was in back of the Midtown Cinema, right? And it's a little crawl space back there. Yeah. So um, tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, it's a very, it was a very small room. Uh, Needs in there right now. Uh, so we were in there. Um, it's not a crawl space. It's a pizza. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jen. <laughs> it's, a 
It's a very yeah. It's a very small room. It's a very um, tasty closet. Yeah. Mm. So it, it was a it was a good science to start. Uh, we started working with a lot of uh, local restaurants at the time, in, along with the cinema, and then we ended up getting a an Arugas Arugas. So um, we got the contract with them, and then that's when I started learning a lot. <laughs> Uh, how, did, how did you get that? I mean, it just didn't fall out of the sky. How did you get a contract with Arugas? Well, so uh, as we've talked about before, I, I was a web developer by trade. Like, that was my main gig, was web development. And um, Wolfsbach Beer Distributor is one of my clients. And so I started to know the guys there. And they started to hear about, you know, me, like with ice cream. So we started doing events, partnered with them, doing beer floats and whatnot. So one of the guys that I, I got to know... He uh, obviously produ he provides beer for Arugas, so um, I was talking to him. I was like, you know, it'd be cool to get in with Arugas. He didn't say anything. I just casually mentioned that to him, and he's he apparently had talked to the owner. Uh, the owner ended up well. The secretary ended up calling me. He was like, hey, would you want to be interested in a meeting um, and uh, see where things go? So brought over samples. They loved it, and you know that's that was kind of it. Mm. And since they're on such a great expansion, it's been able you've been able to expand your business with them. And they're, I assume they're your biggest client. They client. currently are. Um, I think right now we're gonna we're shifting focus on onto the retail. So we're also doing retail, but um, we just learned a lot over time. It was it was cool. Uh, I think four years four years working with them. Uh, we had a warehouse where we shipped pallets. We'll do three hundred gallons a week of ice cream. Uh, dairy, dairy comes in every Monday. We turn Monday until sometimes 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and then ship it out the next morning, uh, 9 o'clock. Um, so that's been a lot of the hard work is trying to tr late hours. So right. So, so Okay, so you spent a number of years in that little space in back of the cinema. Then you moved, you had a, a, for a, time, a warehouse out in the suburbs, mm -hmm. which you don't have anymore, but that give you a lot more larger space. Yeah, so, yeah, um, when we had Arugas when the small, in that small space we were in, it just it didn't make sense anymore. Um, we were able to get an SBA loan, um, and that helped us move to the warehouse to be able to have the space that we needed to uh, start churning and shipping out by, uh, by pallets. So a food distributor would come and pick it up and then ship it out uh, out of state. So. Okay, and then at the same time, you opened your first... Retail location in the Broad Street Market, right? Yeah, yep. So uh, about a year after we got kind of had our um, feeder planted in the ground with that, we opened up a stand at the market, and um, which has also been awesome. A uh, lot of, like I said, a lot of learning. Um, we had to learn a lot. And, and I just go with the flow, and I kind of take things as is and, and figure things out. So that was cool. Okay, and so since we're talking about retail, we might as well just fast forward and talk about your new space because we talked about, you know, the Broad Market part and back of the cinema and the warehouse. So then you closed the, the warehouse and you were looking for a new place to turn and you came across this location which is about 30 feet in that direction yeah. right across the street, uh, which you're going to open soon. So why don't you talk about that part? Yeah, yeah, so um, as, you, as you mentioned, uh, the lease was up for the warehouse. It was just time to get out. Actually, it's it, the most difficult thing, and, and just kind of backtrack a little bit, is f it was finding the right location to churn out of. Um, so many places were way too large or had more than we needed or were way too small. So um, this warehouse came available, and it was just like right at the budget, um, maybe just kind of pushing it. So... Um, it, the lease came up, and I started looking around for a new place, and because I know I had to, I had to leave the warehouse, you know, it just wasn't just spending all that money, which just wasn't um, valid. It was wasn't working. I had my eyes on on this space, so it's it's ten oh four North Third, just right across the street here on this block, um, and I had my eyes on that place for a while. And it finally just opened up at the right time as the lease was ending at the warehouse. And like the thing, the thing that with all of the all of my experiences that I've had and reasons why I feel like I've been able to move forward are those like 
really weird coinciden coincidences, like there's scenarios that just, things just kind of fall into place. Um, some, a door will open and then it's just like, wow, that was perfect timing. Um, and that this is like a prime example of that. Uh, so got the lease and uh, we're in there right now doing renovations and uh, it's a very old building, so <laughs> it's just a lot to do, but. Uh, a, do a door is open, yeah. but the door needs it's, to be it's not, stripped down and repaired yeah. and the knob needs to be replaced and. Yeah, yeah. so, but yeah, well, I'm excited for that. It's just another, another road. Which is really cool. Being in business, you don't know. Sometimes you don't know where you're gonna go. Like you can have an idea of where you want to be, but you have to keep an open mind of these other opportunities that are gonna present itself. And which is better, the road that you're on now, or this other like opportunity that's opened up? And so I feel like that's been the kind of the story of my life is just take these opportunities and then make the best of it and just see where it takes you. So. Yeah, so in a few weeks, Harrisburg is going to have a scoop shop, so that's really cool, and it's also a scoop shop with the best damn ice cream in, you know, certainly in this area. I mean, I don't know where else, you know, you'd have to go to get good ice cream. Well, Lancaster had a good scoop shop for a while, but I think they closed. <laughs> um, so tell us about your, your products and, and your brand. What sort of distinguishes Urban Churn's ice cream? Um, I think it's 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 uh, it's the unique flavors that we do. Uh, so if any of you that are familiar with with Urban Churn, uh, we make really wacky flavors. Um, yeah, I was getting to that. That was my next question. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I won't go into <laughs> further. But that I think that's the thing. Go that in the non-wacky uh, category first. Yeah. Then we'll get to the wacky. So um, well, the other part of the branding is well, it's, I don't know if you would call it branding, but it's social engagement. Um, I like the idea that folks have a hand in the company. Um, the only, well, not the only reason, but a huge reason why we're able to do what we're doing is because of, of the public and, and, and the fans and everyone who supports us and, and helps us move forward. That has been a huge uh, part of our, our growing success. Um, and I think that differentiates between other companies is um, I try to be a little bit more open with what we're doing and, and present these new flavors and uh, get people involved and whatnot. So maybe that's, that's a... Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that really is, to me, a unique part of a lot of the community here in Harrisburg and the food community. In fact, we wrote a story about this a couple of years ago, how uh, so many of these new vendors and manufacturers... Co are cooperating and using each other's ingredients and selling each other's products and there's just a lot of community involvement and integration uh, in the craft food community here in Harrisburg and I think that's that's fantastic. Also, you did a, a very successful uh, fundraiser online which really helped you do the renovations mm -hmm. to, to your building so that was very helpful. So um, you've got a lot of community support then. Yeah, the, the collaboration part uh, it is key. I mean, right, because you do that too, because you use uh, elementary coffee for your affogados and yeah, yeah. You know, farms work with farms, and, mm -hmm. and and it goes back to that farm to table craft. People just want to be able to support others and other businesses. You know, likewise. So that's that's been part of the branding aspect of it mm -hmm. as well. So. Okay, so let's get to your funky flavors. Yeah. All right. So you have a lot of them. And in fact, you've gotten some national publicity as well. Mm -hmm. So why don't you talk about how you decide on, uh, you know, maybe your flavors in general, but the unique ones as well. And then to tell us a story about the sauerkraut. Yeah, so uh, everyone's had your the classic moose tracks and, you know, flavors that you kind of find in any other ice cream shop. So um, I love, I'm not a chef. But I love to cook and, and, and try new things. Um, I love to add new greens together and, and just the taste of food and all that stuff. I, it's like a passion. So bringing that into ice cream is really cool because not that many people will add um, whiskey or, well, now they do, but not a lot of people will add like unique uh, ingredients to ice cream or things that, uh, flavors that people haven't heard of before. 
um, like wasabi and cucumber melon, like adding wasabi to ice cream. That not a lot of people do that. So it's really cool. And working with other chefs, they'll I ask them for challenges. So they'll kind of give me some like uh, throw out some ingredients and be like, why don't you try this? And then it ends up working. It's like it's fun. So that's what I really enjoy uh, doing the most with this. But the uh, the most popular one has been the sauerkraut. Uh, flavored ice cream. Has it been the most popular or just the most publicity? Well, publicity, yeah. <laughs> but people who have tried it that do like sauerkraut, I mean, I feel like it's a flip of the coin. I probably, who likes sauerkraut? So-so. Okay, yeah, so it's like half, right? So it's a flip of the coin. Some people, I'd like sauerkraut. But then you kind of break down to the point where people who do like sauerkraut, who would actually try sauerkraut ice cream, you know? And that just grosses people out. So you, you start pinching down the, the remaining of the people. So, but uh, publicity-wise, yeah. Um, Especially, because you, well, you should say that you coincided that with New Year's, right? Yeah. So, so that it made sense. That was... Uh, or made more sense than... I mean, to be honest... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I am very surprised on the publicity that it received. So uh, for other of you who, who aren't um, familiar or haven't followed the sauerkraut uh, saga, if you will, um, two years ago, we started making um, publicity or started making news uh, across the country. So Florida, um, Colorado, you know, et cetera. So it was cool to see that these new stations were uh, airing it. We had a, a, a customer of ours that was, they were in a, some state out west, and they were sitting at a bar, and they, they sent us a picture to our Facebook page. And was like, um, you're at this bar in this, uh, I can't remember what state it was. I was like, wow. I mean, they're, they just happen to be sitting there and, and see that aired. So it was really cool. Um, this year, like, Aunt, uh, Canada was, <laughs> was airing it. A radio Christian radio station in, in um, Mississippi or Louisiana was airing it, just stuff like that. So that was like, yeah. So what is this place is calling you and news so, stations were calling? They wanted material. Because um, I know I've seen a couple of of print stories. Yeah, I, I and, and all of this was happening. I was just extremely surprised that like, why sauerkraut ice cream, <laughs> like. I mean, there's so many other newsworthy items out there. It just surprised me that this kind of got traction. So that was, it's cool. I mean, getting something like that up and up is very encouraging, you know, in itself. So, um, yeah. Okay. So name a couple of other kind of weird flavors you've come up with. Um, uh, lemon feta and thyme. We've done, for any of you who may be pregnant, uh, peanut butter and pickle ice cream. <laughs> which, which I've actually had a lot of husbands come up and buy that for their wives because they were in fact pregnant. So that was a, a flavor that, uh, that actually took off. So um, what, uh, what else here? Uh, I mean, we use a lot of beer. Uh, we'll use malted bourbon, vanilla. Um, we use kumquats. I don't know, like very like orange, small kumquat, balsamic vinegar. Uh, we'll tend to use balsamic vinegar in some of the ice cream flavors, too, which is good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty... Anything and anything you can find in the sun, we try to make it work. Yeah, so. well, it's fantastic that you can experiment like that because you can just, you know, say, well, today I'm going to do blah, blah. Yeah. Right? It's totally up to you. You're, well, you know, you're not answering to some, you know, boss who's going to be, you know, up your whatever if it doesn't, if it doesn't turn a profit... Well, I mean, and, to be honest, sometimes, I know it's not local, and, and, and I'm not ashamed to say this, but sometimes I'm just walking down Walmart, and I'm like, I'm hungry for something, and I'll just grab it off the shelf and add it to ice cream. So just walking down aisles of different stores, and then I see that item, is like, I wonder if I can make ice cream out of that. Um, like, we did blueberry Twinkies ice cream. I was like, I haven't had a Twinkie in a long time. I wonder if I can make ice cream out of that. So just like random times, just walking down stores, I see these random products, and I just want to make ice cream out of it. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I know it's, but it's okay. fun. I enjoy it. So okay. So when you're in an auto parts store, you uh, yeah, decide, that tire, <laughs> that diesel ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so so 
let's get back, I guess, to the business part. This is a question that, that I always ask. Uh, I've gotten some interesting answers to it. What do you think is the single smartest and stupidest thing you've done as a business owner? Are we talking about mistakes as in flavors or just... I, no, I don't know. I've made many mistakes and, and flavors. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> being interviewed by me doesn't count. Yeah. Neither of those categories. Um, that's actually hard because I was talking to my wife about like some of the mistakes that I've made and I would never say any of them was the like the dumbest uh, just because as a business owner you are going to make mistakes um, I mean I've made plenty and sometimes it's about trying to find what sticks like you have an idea and you don't know if that idea is actually going to work or sometimes you have to take the risk like I had the warehouse, and that was the only my my only option. So I just went and gunned for it, and um, I did I spay, spend way too much for it. Yeah, so that was a mistake, you know, spending too much that you can afford for for rent. But that was the only option. Sometimes you got to make those mistakes and, and learn from it. So everything, all of my experiences that I've had, I, I just I can't really say which has been the dumbest. Yeah, well, that's what that's what distinguishes a good business person too. Is that, like you said, everybody's going to make mistakes, but then you have to learn from them and move forward, and and ultimately, hopefully, benefit from that mistake that you made. So, what's something really smart that you've done? Um, this retail location. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it, the problem with with wholesaling is you start to rely on your larger customers, your largest clients. So when you when you put too many eggs in that basket, you're kind of at that mercy. Um, and plus, if you start doing like wholesale, for me, um, when you start doing wholesale and you just monotonously just like turn out the same flavor over and over and over again, you, you start to lose the enjoyment. So for example, like if you're a photographer and um, you're, you're doing photography for another company, uh, but they're just nailing you down, and, and you're just not enjoying, enjoying your photography anymore. It's like maybe it's time to, to st stop doing that, or maybe it's time to like kind of find another route. And for me, for what I enjoy are uh, people enjoying the product. Um, obviously, that's like a natural motivation, uh, and that's what keeps me moving forward is like creating these custom cool flavors that people haven't had before and then getting their facial reaction. Um, and so this retail space is going to allow me to have that, you know, to create these flavors, the things that people are going to enjoy and, you know, coming back, keep coming back for it. Plus, it just helps diverse your, um, where the, the, pro the profit's coming from. So instead of doing wholesale, you can start um, focusing on like a, maybe a larger profit margin. It's, it's a lot more work. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a lot of work putting this together, but it's definitely going to be worth it at the end. So I think that's been the smartest move. Yeah, so let's just dig into that for a second. So what will this space, this storefront allow you to do that you were not able to do before? Um, I can expand uh, the flavors. I can do, we're going to do staple flavors. So at the market, for those of you who are familiar, we change up every week. And some of it has to do based on the orders we have with customers. Whereas this location will be able to have um, staple flavors. But I'll be able to also have more dessert options like start to get a little bit more creative because I'm stuck with the space that I have at the market I'm stuck with what I can do at the market whereas this location I can actually get a little bit more creative and even little things like uh, uh, theme nights you know if Game of Thrones is coming up so deck the whole place out with like Game of Thrones stuff like um, it's gonna be awesome to do so um, yeah that's that's well what kind of additional products are you gonna offer um, affogados. So, uh, again, if you're familiar with the stand of the market, we have cold brew affogados, but we're also going to do um, mocha pots. Anyone familiar with a mocha? M-O-K-A pot. So it's just a, it's an Italian way of making a really, really strong coffee. It's not espresso, but it's pretty darn close. Um, so we're going to have two shots of that over top of uh, the ice cream you choose. Traditionally, it's... Flying out of there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, uh, affogados, uh, lemon bar sundaes. So uh, raising the bar over the market, they have really good lemon bars. And um, we make lemon lavender honey ice cream, which is also a fan favorite, favorite which we're going to have regularly at this location. So it's a frozen lemon bar with a scoop of either vanilla or lemon lavender honey ice cream. 
uh, topped with uh, homemade whipped cream and uh, lemon zest. So that, that in itself, I already tried it and it's like, it's a perfect summer's treat, so I'm excited about that. Well, we're also gonna do um, doggy ice cream as well. It's already gonna be prepackaged. And uh, there's a lot of folks in the city that wanna walk their dogs around. Um, this will be great to, to stop by and we'll have outdoor, just little two bistro seats, but you can come over and, and chill outside with the dog and have a little frozen treat with them. So. And what's the environment gonna be like inside? I was just thinking about, I, so urban churn is all about tradition. Um, traditionally churned, it, you know, it's, it's all about the family history and stuff like that. And all my family, like I said, are not rednecks, but they, you know, hunters and wood and, you know, moonshine. So, um, you so mentioned several times that they're not rednecks. <laughs> it's like, it's borderline, but you know, it's, it's like, we're on that, we're on that part. No, but, um, they, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of, uh, wood pallets. It's a wood picnic table. It's family traditional history. It's, it's, uh, the picnic tables are the seatings, uh, or the seatings are the seats. So, um, I, I think that's the vibe we're trying to go for is, is the Pennsylvania Dutch kind of uh, family gathering uh, space. time usually what Derek would have done is he <laughs> distributes little cards at the tables and people write down their questions give them to me and I and I ask them but he's falling down on the job so um, I'll just ask uh, the audience for questions anybody have any questions okay the most difficult flavor I think it was a uh, black sesame strawberry balsamic ice cream yeah, so black sesame, um, when you eat it as is, you have to you have to like really bite in to start getting the flavor. But when you grind it down, we had to grind it down as you would with the coffee beans. It's a very peppery taste. Um, it's a very very bold pepper taste to it. So to balance that with the, the with strawberries, uh, I think that was the most difficult. It was a request from a chef. Um, I didn't, sometimes when you start working with certain ingredients that I've never worked with before, it really does take trial and error uh, to figure out like, okay, I pull it back a bit or it's, this isn't enough. Um, like uh, we, another a popular one we just did was ancho chili chocolate. So ancho is a, like a chili pepper, uh, but it's it dried, but it's not that very spicy. It can be depending where you get it from, but it's typically not that very spicy. And um, I had to really figure out, like, how much do I really use so it's not overpowering? Because you, sometimes you add just, just that extra spoonful and it's just way too much. Uh, but when you add just enough, it's perfect. Um, so it's just figuring that out. Yeah, so uh, we do we do custom uh, flavors. Uh, it, it depends on what it is, you know. And it's been, especially on the season. You know, can we get it locally? How much is it going to get to import the item? Uh, it, it's We allow anyone to really come up with flavors that they're looking for. Um, right now, it's like a, a for something like that, it's a two-gallon minimum just because with the cost of ingredients, sometimes it's better buying it bulk. So if I'm going to do a custom flavor, that's why at the brushy market, some of the flavors really depend on what are we churning for others. Um, alongside what do we want to churn, you know, just to kind of expand our um, options. But, yeah, we, we do a lot of custom stuff for people. We actually had uh, someone from uh, Virginia, West Virginia, call up to us and asking us for a, a flavor, and he was like, I'd be willing to drive, you know, the two and a half hours, three hours, whatever. And he was serious. And I got the message, and I'm like, this, this guy realized, like, I live in Pennsylvania, like, you know. But apparently, no one else in that area was making that ice cream that he couldn't find, and he customer ordered it. So he drives up three hours <laughs> to, to so, get so it. So it actually happened. Oh yeah. What was it? What did he want? It was. Uh, I can't remember what it, what it's called. It's a special. It's a, a special Italian dessert. Um, no, no. 
it, you can't really, not a lot of places have it because it it's actually it takes a little bit of time to make, but yeah. It's just, so you it's did it, how did it turn out? Good, it was good, <laughs> it was good. Uh, it was, I mean, I, I never had it before. I, I, I never had it before. Um, sometimes, if I never had a dessert or a food item, I have to research on what people explain it to be. And so, yeah, I have to picture myself, like, I have to picture how I think it's, it's gonna taste based on what they're saying. And the guy was like, yeah, this was exactly what I was looking for, so. Okay, so, so my background is Italian, and so I, now I have a request for you. I want Amaretti ice cream. Is that what the, they're served in individual? Yeah, they're like these little white cookies. That yes. Amaretto-based. Yeah, we had a chef ask for that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's eggs, I think it was like. I think the only difference between that is we don't use eggs. Ah, okay. So some desserts, uh, but it doesn't matter because some people can't tell. Like uh, eggs for ice cream is custard, so uh, it just makes the ice cream a lot more thick uh, and rich. Sometimes, depending on what we're doing, we can we just make it just as thick. So it's we try not to use um, eggs. Okay. I also would accept pignoli ice cream. I don't know what that is. Pine nuts. Uh, pine nuts. Yeah. Oh man, they're good. I'll have to try that. You need you need to go to Alvaro and. Get some cookies. Okay, I'll do that. I can add them into the ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, any other questions? Yes. Yeah. So uh, that has been a lot of huge request is the vegan vegan ice cream. Um, there will be. It'll be rotating every. I have to decide. But I think every month it'll rotate. Um, it, that, that's been like the most difficult thing to make. So for anyone that cannot have ice cream or vegan, you know. Uh, a lot of those desserts tend to be very pricey uh, for those who can't have uh, dairy. And I'm trying my hardest to find a good recipe that you're not adding a bunch of junk, but it's a, at a good price for, for those who can't have dairy or uh, for those who are vegan. Um, so I, I will be rotating monthly because there are some recipes that I was able to perfect and some recipes that I still need some work on. Um, and it's just a matter of ratio. So, yeah, we'll, ha we'll have it. Uh, something I'll continuously be um, improving on. So, Okay. Any other questions? But Jenny, are you going to ask if he's going to have pizza ice cream? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, two parts to that question. One, I don't really do test batches. Uh, a lot of times I'll do, um, it'll be like a three-gallon ice cream run like that's the half like half I can run six gallons in a, in a, in a machine um, I don't really do test batches because when you start doing small ratios uh, sometimes when you take that recipe and put it to like a full batch it doesn't come out exactly the same so um, I, I don't I don't tend sometimes I just run things without even trying it and it just it just turns out you know um, but the largest size we have is six gallons. So six gallons is the each, what was it, 10 minutes? I think 10 minutes we turn six gallons of ice cream out. I think, yeah. Where I, do you see yourself in five years? Uh, I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see myself anywhere. Like I, I've, I've, you've, as you've heard, I, I take things as they come. Like when opportunities arise, um, when, you know, I see another route you know, kind of showing itself, I'll, I'll take that route depending on if I think it's a good decision. Um, I think uh, so many people have asked me where I see Urban Churn five, ten years from now. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just want it to grow. Um, there are some options that are on the table right now, which it's, I have to see how they, that's going to play out. Um, but like I said, I, I just, I just keep moving forward and, and take it as it is and um, sometimes when you, you we have like a, a sp very specific goal, like five years from now, it can kind of get stressful if you don't meet that goal. So I think that's probably another reason why I don't put like pinpoint specific goals in like five years from now. It's because there's a lot of stress and it makes it not as fun, you know, to be in, in a business and, and doing what you're doing. So um, enjoying the moment now with where you're at, I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at because I learn new things all the time. Zen ice cream maker, I like that. What's that? You're a Zen ice cream maker. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like, okay, good. Um, more questions? Um, I, I leasing is just because I hate leasing. I hate it. Um, I want to own. I will own. Like that's that's that is probably a goal that I have. That's more of an objective, more say. But uh, I do not like leasing. Owning is a better way to go because you might as well be spending that money in an asset than a leasing, where it's just you're going to move out somewhere. But time being, when you're growing, leasing is the better choice because you don't know where you're going to see yourself. As starting out as a business, within like five years, it's either make or break. And sometimes you need to find things that stick. You might have to leave a uh, place for another location. Uh, so leasing is the better option when you're starting out, unless you have the capital to, to buy. And, uh, and if you know you're going to be at that location for a very long time. Um, so that's what... Uh, that's, I think, my answer in that case. A multitude of things. So uh, a lot of it has been, you know, people will give feedback. Um, they say something was just off, stuff like that. You know, that's, that's by default, but natural people will tell you if, if they, what they think of the product. Um, in the campaign, the crowdfunding campaign that we did recently was, like, the prime example of, of people backing us and backing the idea and the company. So um, that it, it, when folks had put money in for a reward, they're, they know that they're helping us, but they also get something in return, you know? Um, so that's, that's more of like engagement. Um, we'll have on social media, we're pretty heavy on social media, uh, asking for suggestions or um, folks will I'll, uh, just encourage, will we keep updating everyone on this space uh, that what's going on right now, so it's cool because when when I'm at the market, uh, the, our stand at the market, there's so many people that will come and talk to me because they've seen the update of how the space is going. People want to know how things are going, and it's it's pretty much just kind of being transparent with them and explaining to them, well, this happened, this happened, um, even if it was bad or good, just kind of giving them the real raw story of what's going on. So people. I don't know, I kind of, I feel like appreciate that because it's not just like you're a business, just closed doors, like this is what we do, like, you know, just buy our product, yeah, like just vampires, just stay away, like, no, but we, we were open, so. The campaign is, you've, you've heard uh, Kickstarter, uh, you guys, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, stuff like that. So crowdfunding, just quick uh, crash course, crowdfunding is basically folks who are putting money, the public who are putting money into a startup business um, and that will re receive something in return. So it just it depends on what that business is. Uh, for us, uh, you know, if you put in X number of dollars, you'll get like a pint for free every month for a year um, and a T-shirt or things like that. So uh, the crowdfunding basically... Uh, helps upfront costs that it, that we need to to open up the location, and then when a certain month rolls in, then uh, folks who backed the campaign will will be able to start receiving those rewards, you know, in return. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not a loan, but your customers are buying something just ahead of time, if you will, and it helps the business to to start, um, which was like. And having that campaign, man, it, it really helped us. That was a huge, huge uh, plus. I'm looking forward to buying pint of ice cream every month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you go and explore So during the summertime last year, we had three, uh, which is part-time, you know, call, like, on-call kind of circumstances. Right now, it's just myself and one other person. So uh, the other person, uh, he will come in at the market. He'll be at the market, um, and he'll help me load the truck up and stuff like that. But right now, it's actually it's myself um, churning and getting the orders together, just the day-to-day -to -day business. So, but uh, obviously, when we get this location up, it's not going to be the case. I will not be doing too well if <laughs> I was handling everything. Turning in the back. Scooping in the front. Yeah. <laughs> Running back and forth. For the, for the dairy, the dairy aspect. So um, we actually get our dairy from one company, and that company uh, pasteurizes the dairy. So the Department of Ag requires all the dairy to be pasteurized. 
Um, that dairy comes, a lot of it's from Sunbury. Um, so a lot of it to Sunbury and uh, north of Lancaster. So they, they come from two different corners. And yeah, so a lot of it's, um, I don't know how many farms they use, but they just explained to me a lot of the farms are from Sunbury and, and, and maybe one or two from north of Lancaster. So, I, I actually have just one other question. Are we okay, Derek? Can I ask one more <laughs> question? Okay, just to, to wrap it up. And um, this is a question I've also asked, but I know that there are people who attend this often are you know, budding entrepreneurs themselves and are, are interested in business. Um, you know, Zach was over here taking notes. So, um, <laughs> uh, so my final question is, what advice would you give someone who wants to go into business in Harrisburg specifically? I would say, well, I would say connections have been a huge uh, advantage. So when you start a business in Harrisburg, Harrisburg's a small city, but you can get to know everyone, you know, if you actually are active in the city. So I would say, like, as a big recommendation, um, to start a business, you need to be a part of the city and be active and not just start a business and expect money in return. Um, I think that's one of the things that attracted me to the city from the beginning, uh, especially, you know, when I went to Little Amps, like that was my like social hub uh, place to go to. Um, people care about the city, they care about what's going on in the city, they care about the businesses that are going on in the city. Uh, so that's what I would say, get to know the people in the city, the movers, the shakers, how you can partner together, uh, and then kind of things will start falling into place. Community networking, I love that. That's yeah. a perfect answer. Thank you so much. Good, Good job. Really? Good. Thank that you. was great. Yeah. Thank you for listening in to the HYP podcast. Our next event will be on May 29th, 2019 and will feature Gary Huther Jr., co-founder of Arugas. You can also learn more about this event series and others by heading to our website, hyp.org. Special thanks to our event sponsors, M&T Bank, Startup Harrisburg, and The Berg Magazine. Also, special thank you to Clark Stefanik for the recording and editing of this podcast. Until next time, keep building in the Berg. Thank you.